listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. Isn't that wonderful? Just taking a minute and recognizing the blessings in our lives. Um, open up your Bibles to Psalm 100, verse 4. And can we put that one up on the screen? Psalm 100, verse 4. This particular psalm is very, very important, especially in Upper Room. And, um, you know, this morning while, while Bo was worshiping, I just felt so much depth of gratitude coming from him. Sometimes I call Bo uh, Bozus because he always leads me out of Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> But this, this verse is especially important. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So at Upper Room, our, our vision, our mission, our everything is to minister to the heart of God through worship and prayer. And we're experiencing his presence transforming lives morning, noon, and night. And something that uh, we do, I, I mean, I, I'm hesitant to call it religiously or ritualistically, but we are... We are we make sure that we come grateful right off the bat. We just start thanking the Lord. And it might not sound like, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. But it might be extolling something about his nature or his beauty that we're so grateful for. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Um, The reason we do this, there's just a lot of reasons. First of all, it pleases the Lord. It makes him really happy. <laughs> like when his kids show up thankful. But also, I believe that it reorients us. Uh, we believe that when we get grateful, it opens us up to actually experiencing God in this moment and experiencing more of his power in our lives. Um, Can you now go to Ephesians 2.6? Ephesians 2.6 is one of the really cool verses about where we are mystically and actually at right now in this moment. In this moment, your your body is in this room, but your, your spirit is seated somewhere, right? If you believe the Bible, then you have to believe this, right? So just go with me on this journey. Where are we seated right now, according to this? We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How incredible is that? But wait a minute, I thought that it, so it seems we're already there, but Psalm 100 says that we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And so are, are we still trying to enter there? Or, or is it that when we get thankful and grateful before the Lord, we start to realize again where we're already seated? That when we open up the eyes of our heart, it reorients us. It puts all of our problems on earth, it turns them into laughing matters. You know, it puts them into perspective. When you, when you get thankful and grateful and turn your eyes upon the Lord, you start to realize these glorious truths about who we are, where we're seated, our inheritance in Him. We start to see Him, right? Right, guys? Yeah! <laughs> Have you ever, um, 
Have you ever been walking somewhere quickly, stopped and turned around and had someone immediately run into you that you just didn't know was there? That's what it's like when we turn to the Lord. We, you can't escape him, right? He's Mr. Existence. Like, <laughs> he's everywhere. Even the psalmist, David says, you know, where can I flee from your presence? Even if I go down, down to the dark places, up to the heights, you're there. So when we, when we turn to the Lord, when we acknowledge the Lord, it's like we stop, we turn around, and boom. He's, he's right there. He ran right into us. You try to run away from the Lord, it's trying to escape your own skeleton. You know what I mean? You can't get away from him. <laughs> so it's not really about his willingness. It's about our awareness. It's, it's about our, our heart posture. I believe that when we become grateful, we detach ourselves from our current circumstances we detach from that and attach all of our faith and hope and joy on him. And it seems like blessings flow even more from this place of just reorienting our hearts into a place of gratitude. Uh, if you're a parent like Ashley and I, you, you know how powerful it is when your kids become grateful. You know how you spend like the first three years of their life never hearing the word thank you come out of their mouth? You, you do like a billion self-giving, selfless acts before they're like, oh, I appreciate you. And you're like, oh, what? You start crying because you're finally, they're like, you see me? I'm not just here to serve you. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And at dinner time, like if I set out, I set out the food for the kids and when they say, thank you, daddy, I'm like, oh, I'm already thinking we're doing ice cream tonight, right? <laughs> but if I set out the food and they complain, they're like, this isn't what I want, isn't it? Because it's not exactly what they want or, they're, they're, or we're out of ketchup and they have to eat just dry chicken nuggets. <laughs> they start complaining. And you know, the, the last thing I'm thinking in that moment is let's bust out the ice cream for these thankful little ankle biters. Like. <laughs> <laughs> now wait, <clears throat> before it sounds like I'm talking about transactional spirituality, I'm not. Because I was always intending on giving my kids dinner again and again and again, regardless of whether they're thankful for it or not. We serve a God who is a better father than I could ever be. He is more patient and gracious and generous and long-suffering than, than I could ever be as a dad. I, I sure hope to be a lot like him, but I know that you know, a lot is gonna happen when I see him face-to-face -face in that glorified state and all of this, this struggle and, and hardship just falls away. I know, I'm looking forward to that, but while we're in these earthly bodies, we do get to go from glory to glory to glory. We do get to become more transformed into his likeness, and I want you guys to know that our Father in heaven is the kind of guy who sends rain on the well-behaved and the naughty cities alike. He does. He provides. He's so good. I, I mean, there, there are these verses about how God, he makes sure that all the sparrows are fed. Are you not worth much more than a sparrow? So what I'm saying is I'm not talking about transactional 
Christianity or transactional spirituality. I'm talking about opening up ourselves to a deeper level of blessing that is available in him. Amen? It's kind of like the 10 lepers in Luke 17. Y'all know the story where Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and, and they're walking along the border of Samaria and out come from the city or they, from wherever these lepers were, they were shouting to Jesus, have mercy and heal us, heal us. And Jesus tells them to just go show themselves to the priest. And so they start walking away and as they walked along, they were all healed of their leprosy. How incredible is that? So, so much power on the life and words of Jesus. But y'all know how the story goes. Only one of the lepers comes back. And he comes running to the feet of Jesus, and he is shouting joyous praises and glorifying God. He falls at Jesus' feet, thanking him over and over, saying, you're the Messiah. You're the Messiah. You're the Messiah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And he's just pouring out his gratitude. I'm sure he's just weeping because this thing that had uh, afflicted his life and kept him from community is now, he's completely alleviated of it. And Jesus says, wait a minute, you're a Samaritan dude and you're the only one who came back to thank me? Arise and go, your faith has made you well. I think that was another layer of wellness, don't you? A different kind of wellness in that moment. So what I'm saying is all the lepers got healed, but only one got commended, the one that was grateful. All the lepers got healed, but only one became a friend of Jesus, the one who was grateful. All the lepers got healed, but only one made it into eternal scripture as the cool dude. And he's forever known as the cool leper simply because he came back and said thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. I think that part of us opening the eyes of our heart is that we begin to see his heart. The eyes of our heart can't look upon our current circumstances. The eyes of our heart can't magnify what's wrong in our life. The eyes of our heart look upon his heart. The eyes of our heart are open to the heavenly places. And so that's why Paul is always praying, like, Lord, I pray that you'd open the eyes of their heart and lighten their heart. See you, your power, your goodness, the length, the width, the depth, the height of your love, to know this all-surpassing power that's at work in them. It's, it's when we begin to look into the heavenly places through gratitude and thanksgiving that everything around us that seems so big and so important that isn't begins to just fall away. And more joy, more gratitude begins to flow from that place. I think that the four living creatures in the book of Revelation are symbolic of this. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Those crazy creatures that are covered, they have like a bunch of wings and they're completely covered in eyes and they're, they're singing holy, holy, holy. I think it's because they, they represent the eyes of the hearts of the entire world, of every creature and human that draws breath. And two eyes just aren't enough. They, need a, they want to be covered in eyes to just drink in through their eye gates all the glory and beauty that is Jesus, the lamb at the center of it all. 
I don't know about you guys, but I'm obsessed with myself. I mean, I don't want you to be obsessed with me. I'm just wondering if any of you, the rest of you are obsessed with yourselves. The only person I want obsessed with me is named Ashley Elizabeth Shuck. But, <laughs> but and, and, and I don't mean that like, I think that I'm amazing and incredible and perfect at everything I do. I, that's not what I mean. I mean that I can't stop thinking about my circumstances, my needs, this, this crisis, my plans. It, it's, it's a self-absorbed state that I just, I hate when I get into that place. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Just me, just me. I'm the only one who's self-absorbed. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's exhausting to make my world revolve around me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <clears throat> Guys, I mean, I can even make church about me. I know that, like, we're essentially here, like, deep down in my heart. All I want is for all of us to encounter God and become whole in his presence. Deep down, that's, that's really, really what I want. But let me, hear, let me just tell you something, and I hope you hear it the right way. On a good day, when I'm trying to say something profound... 80% of it is because I want God to be glorified and 20% of it is still for my own ego. Is that too deep? Okay. And all I can do, I can't fix myself. All I can do is be honest about it or, and laugh about it and rely on God not to give up on me and know that he is faithful to carry to completion this work that he started in me. Your pastor, I'm up here admitting I have ego problems. And I'm relying on God. He's the only one that can fix. I can't fix myself. Has anyone in here been able to finish the work that the Holy Spirit started? See, that's the trap of the Galatians, right? That are, you, are you so foolish that you... The, the thing that started in the spirit, are you now trying to perfect by the flesh? Like, that's just not gonna work. So let's just all be honest about our level of self-absorption <laughs> so that we can get free together, amen? So what is the opposite of self-centered? Other-centered, right? <laughs> How do we know that God isn't self-centered? I mean, he seems to be pretty about himself. He commands us to worship him, to ascribe to him all the wealth, the honor, and the glory. To, like, how can we be sure that he isn't in this for himself? Well, first of all, from before we were around, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existed together. And they were already other-centered. They were already pouring forth one into the other, filling up each other's cups with affection and honor and praise and then pouring it into the next, continually going around. Can you put that picture up? I found this picture that kind of illustrates it. It's from this guy named Scott the Painter. He's a, he's a little bit famous on Instagram for his uh, Christian paintings and drawings. But here we see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they each have a bottle of wine. I'm guessing it's not water. Um, and the, <laughs> the three of them 
are just pouring into one another. And so each one knows that they don't have to hog the affection or seek the affection because it's gonna be freely given. And they're just, they're continually other-centered, self-giving, other-preferring, self-revealing love from before time. This is really important. Because we have to know that they were completely fulfilled in their love for one another before they created us. Otherwise, we'll think that they need us to fulfill. God, we'll, we'll think that God needs us to fulfill a hole in his heart. But God doesn't need us. He created us as objects of his affection to bring us in to that right there. And imagine one of those, one of the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one of those is obviously Jesus, and that's where you're seated in him. Never having to worry about if the Lord loves you or not, or not whether or not you're gonna receive affection, whether or not there's gonna be enough honor left for you at the end of the day. Can you put up that, um, the next picture? This is another one that I like. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, just forever huddled together, enjoying one another. We've been brought into that fellowship. We're right in that divine embrace right now as I speak. Doesn't that make you grateful? That's what I'm most thankful for. I've been uh, transferred out of the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son he loves. I've been awakened to the love of the father and I've been brought into the divine fellowship. Don't we find that um, self-centered people are the least grateful and other centered people seem to be very grateful all the time? I think it's because when we realize the world doesn't revolve around us, that our huge personal problems are just minute in comparison to what a lot of other people are going through. You know, at, the, <laughs> at the beginning of worship, we were singing, you're never gonna let me down, and we're singing, you're good. Faithful, you're always faithful. And I know firsthand that there are people in this room where maybe today was the hardest moment you had in singing those lines to the Lord and you still chose to sing it anyway. You still chose to sing your faithful and you're, you're never gonna let me down because it's true. And you were reminding your soul and you're getting into that place of gratitude and I know that it shifted, shifted the atmosphere because about 10, 12 minutes into worship, we were still singing the same thing and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Did anyone feel it shift about 10, 12 minutes in? And I look around the room, there's just tears everywhere. Ashley had like a puddle of tears on the floor in front of her Bible. It would have been a great picture, but I missed it. But anyway. <laughs> you know, when we get our eyes off ourselves and, and just kind of like look up, we're looking at the Lord, but we're also looking to the needs of others. We're looking to fulfill the, the needs of other people and we realize that our, our problems aren't worthy to be compared with some of the troubles people are going through and definitely not worthy to be compared to the troubles that are going on worldwide. I, I believe that Nancy Clark might be the best person I know at doing this, at being other-centered. 
She's just like always thinking about how to help other people. She doesn't complain and she's just looking to the needs of others and she's, she's just a gem. She, if you don't know, Nancy is our, our children's pastor. And um, I'm uh, jealous of her because I'm pretty sure she's gonna be closer to Jesus for all of eternity than I am. <laughs> There's something about moms that, who are able to, to tap into that level of, of self-giving and gratitude where it opens them up to levels of glory that I don't think I'm ever going to be able to understand. When I, was, um, when I was 22 years old, I went on a mission trip to Tanzania, and it changed my life. And now I'm aware that that's kind of a cliche nowadays, like the American Christian goes to an impoverished nation and has an existential awakening. Like, I'm aware of that recurring story, but it was so real for me. Um, I I didn't go for me. I I went to film our crew. Uh, I knew a little bit about um, (laughs) using a camera, and so they they picked me to go and film these crews digging uh, fresh water wells, digging water wells in remote places for villages and tribes that were uh, dying or becoming really sick from unclean drinking water. And I got to meet some of the, the women in this, this one village who would walk several miles one direction with you know, a bucket on their head to get water that just, it's, it's just the runoff water from the surrounding fields. And so it was filled with wherever the, the cows were grazing in the field, the rain would run down. And so it was really dirty water and they would fill these buckets and walk all the way back to their family every day. Their life was walking to and fro for water. And so um, when, we, when we struck fresh water on a well, the whole village began rejoicing. And uh, they, they sent out word and all of the, 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 the locals, they put on their finest, tr- like, um, tribal gear, you know, the, 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 the clothes that they wear, they're traditional, like, it would be as if we were going to meet the president and we put on our nicest clothes. They put on their absolute nicest clothes and, like, sent out word, and these three surrounding tribes all gathered together, um, and it happened like that. We, we hit water that morning and that evening. There were hundreds of locals who had gathered in one place, and they sat us down in these seats of honor and presented us gifts, and they were dancing and praising They were so grateful that they just had water. And I I remember going into some of the the little schoolhouses that were made out of whatever they could find, and and these kids were just so happy. And they had almost no physical possessions. I don't know if they had toothpaste or soap or access to proper hygiene, or, or they definitely didn't have access to medicine, and these kids we're so full of joy. And of course, that, those images are forever burned in my, my memory. It makes me want to bring my kids on, on trips like that so they can see what real gratefulness looks like apart from physical possessions. Jesus talks about this in the Beatitudes. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I don't think that Jesus in this moment is... Um, romanticizing or glorifying poverty. And I also don't think that he's demonizing wealth. I think that if I, if I could reinterpret what he's saying here, I would say 
He's probably saying something like this. Blessed are those who are not attached to physical things. Blessed are those whose joy is not dependent upon what they possess. It might read, blessed are those whose joy is not dependent on what they're able to attain. So we're super blessed but, you know, and, and grateful, but do you know that gratitude is actually a, a spiritual principle that the world has grabbed hold of? Like out in the secular world, like there, there are like self-help gurus and billionaire life coaches that tell all of their followers to wake up and be thankful. And I mean, it's obviously they're ignorant on like the source of blessing because they wake up and they, they thank the sun or they thank the universe or they, they thank whatever number of other created things, which is, is silly, but you know what happens? They still get blessed. I think that this power of gratitude, even when people don't know the source of blessing, still has residual power to release blessings in their life. I feel like these, these guys who wake up, these powerful men and women who wake up and don't know, they don't know the Lord yet, and they wake up and they're thinking whatever created thing, it still in, in some ways reorients their hearts into a place of humility and, and joy. But guys, we know who the true source of all blessing is, don't we? So our gratitude is not just a blanket thank you universe, it's a thank you maker of the universe, my Father in heaven from whom flows all blessings. This is Acts 17, this is how Paul describes our Father. This is Acts 17, 24. God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him, we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Isn't that beautiful? I believe that 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 scripture just readdressed some of the things I was trying to communicate earlier that when we turn to God, it's as if that we didn't realize someone was hot on our heels who runs right into us. He's not far from any one of us. And it's not like he needs anything from us. So if he doesn't need anything from us, it begs the question of what does he want from us? And Casey hit on this earlier when he stood up, like, what do you give the guy that has everything? You know how like Father's Day comes around and like dad already has every color of tie in the closet, so you can't buy him another tie. Like he doesn't need anything from you. What does he want from you? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the universe. He sp- I mean, he has Genesis 1 on his resume. He owns everything. What do we give this guy? The only thing that he doesn't forcefully take for himself is the heart of every human. The only thing that we have to give the Father that he wants more than anything else is our affection, our friendship, 
our acknowledgement of him. You turn to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. This is my, the, the final verse for the day that I want to leave you with for the week of Thanksgiving. 1 Timothy 4.1 says that the Spirit clearly says in the later times that some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. So pause right there. You would assume that Paul in this moment, he's, he's talking about like these false teachers who are teaching hedonism and leading people astray and licentiousness and like, you know, throw all restraint to the wind and moral ambiguity. Like these kinds of guys are going to arise and you need to be aware of them, right? That's what you would think he would be warning the church about. But let's go on and, and find out what these guys are actually like. This is verse three. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point out these things to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Now wait, so you're saying that the the false prophets in the last days, what they're going to teach is they're, they're going to tell people to abstain from the things that God created for them to enjoy. They're going to cause people to think that God doesn't want us to actually enjoy the things he created for us to enjoy in this world. Y'all getting happy yet? We're going, to, we're going to feast this week on the good things that God has created from earth for us to harvest and ingest. And not only that, he created one another. I'm not just talking about filling our tummies with food. I'm talking about filling our hearts with fellowship. The things that we're most grateful for, we get to feast on fellowship and connection with the ones that we love. So this week, I want you to abide by God's commands. He commands more feasting than fasting. Even like all throughout the Bible, there are more feasts than fasts because he wants us to taste and see that he is good. When you taste, you see, and sometimes when you see, you taste that he is good. So this week, what I want us to do is to really celebrate the goodness of God together and enter the awareness that we are already through the gates and we are already seated in the heavenly place. Amen? Let's stand up and just pray and celebrate the goodness of the Lord in our lives. God, we worship you. I look around at the rich blessings of my my family, the city, our country. I I look around at this room. God, thank you that you gave us a a building to gather and worship you in, Jesus. Thank you that for whatever reason, whether you chose to come in this room or you were tricked into this room, you got to experience fellowship and, and family. Lord, thank you for what you're building, that you're knitting our hearts together. Thank you, Jesus, that you created everything and it's good and we receive it with thanksgiving and everything is consecrated by our thanksgiving. 
Thank you, Jesus, that this week we get to remember how good it is to be in your house. Thank you, God, that sorrow may last for the night, but joy wins. Joy is eternal. Thank you for the pleasures that are at your right hand. Ask God that you would protect everyone in this room and every family member related to everyone in this room this week and let us drink of your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen.